welcome to another episode of Your Money in 20, the podcast by your friends at Woodward Financial Advisors. I'm joined today by Jim Miller himself, the president of Woodward Financial Advisors and an advisor here. Hi, Jim. Hey, Vic. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, so, you know, good to have you back. It took a recession to bring you back on the podcast, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm starting to take it personally, but um, it's, it's good to be here with you again. All right. Well, before we get started, I want to do our sort of normal disclaimer, which is that everything we're going to talk about here today is for educational purposes only. This is not meant to be advice for your individual situation. And if you're looking for advice for your specific situation, go to your estate planning attorney, your tax person, your investment advisor, and they'll be able to speak uh, to your specifics. So Jim, today we're here to talk about stagflation. I'm sure some portion, especially the people who you know clicked on this title, have heard the word before. I'm guessing there's a subset that's a little smaller that knows what it means. Uh, so we're trying to clear all that up. So our goal is to say, you know, really define what is stagflation because the news agencies certainly seem to uh, like to throw it around in the latest, you know, six month period or so here. So what is stagflation? We'll talk briefly about whether we think it's happening right now. And then most importantly, so what? Uh, what difference does it make whether we have stagflation or not? What are we talking about with clients who who may come to us with concerns in this regard? Sound good, Jim? Yeah, sounds perfect. Certainly a buzzword that's going around these days. Yeah, and we sort of laugh. I mean, it's very clearly someone smashed together two other words to create this made-up word, uh, st stagnation and inflation, but I can't deny it's catchy. So yeah. what does it mean? So let's start there. Uh, Jim, I'll I'll start off, and then you just just sort of jump in if you have anything to add, and then because we'll move quick pretty quick through these first two, so we could talk a lot about so what. So the definition of stagflation, there are several components to it, and you'll see differing definitions of it, but there are you know really four major components. So as you probably could guess, persistent high inflation. So inflation, of course, has come back in recent days or months or year or so. Uh, persistent is a little harder to pin down, and we'll talk about that when we you know, discuss whether it's happening today. So persistent high inflation is the first one. High or increasing unemployment. Now, uh, this usually comes you know, as part of a recession, uh, which you know, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the recent headlines about whether a recession is here or not. Um, so higher increasing unemployment, stagnant demand. So this is demand in the economy. And then slow or negative economic growth, which has to do with whether it's a recession or depression or not. Okay. I will say before we go into, is it happening now? And I'll pull Jim into that one. The only other time in modern history in the history of the markets, that this has occurred was roughly the decade of the 1970s. So, uh, you know, in the 70s, there was the oil embargo happened in 1973, which set off a period of pretty high inflation. I mean, inflation was high, averaging greater than 7% for the decade. Unemployment was high, you know, 9% in 1973, ending the decade around 6%. And just generally, it was a tough time, and this was the stagnation period. I believe it's when the word got made up, 
so it's what a lot of articles are hearkening back to today. Jim, anything to add to sort of that definition of what stagflation is? I think just the only thing is that of the four pieces to it, the components, three of them may be happening now. Certainly what's not happening is high unemployment. And I think we're at around 3.6% or so right now as far as the unemployment rate. And in this country, we consider 4 to 5% to be full employment um, where it's not concerning at all. So we have a long way to go before unemployment will become a big concern. Um, that could happen, of course, you know, with rising interest rates and stagnant demand and things like that. But right now, at least one of the components is not happening. So um, great. great sample size of one in modern history um, makes it tough to compare. Yeah. Well, and, and that that is something worth underlining is that you, a lot of the articles that are popping up these days are talking about the 70s. Anything that you read that says, well, this happened in the 1970s, therefore you should do this. They're using a sample size of one to predict what's going to happen, which we take issue with uh, at Woodward Financial Advisors and anyone who knows statistics should, right? There just haven't been that many cases where it's occurred. So it's really hard to extrapolate. Jim, let's let's go to, and you already sort of started the ball rolling here. Is it happening now? Yes or no, Jim? You have to answer. <laughs> <laughs> like most of these things, it's, in hindsight is when you, you figure it out. Um, it's not happening at the moment because of the unemployment rate. Um, could it happen? Who knows? Inflation is not going to go from its current level of 9% back down to 2 to 3 overnight. We know that. Yeah. Um, so it will persist, but it will persist for a year. Will persist for a decade. Those are big unknowns. <laughs> Jim, you follow roles better than I did because I'm not even sure I could say yes or no. Uh, just because there's no defining agency that says thumbs up, yes, it's happening. Thumbs down, no, it's not. Stagflation isn't something that you know uh, is clearly enough defined uh, to say it's happening or not. So. Again, inflation, we know this, and we've talked about this on prior podcasts. Uh, the best predictor of next month's inflation is last month's inflation, so it tends to be persistent once it shows up. It's very hard to predict otherwise. So uh, what you were saying, Jim, that, that's sort of how we know a little bit about sort of the characteristics of inflation. But yeah, I'll highlight a couple. So when we talk about higher increasing unemployment, we could do an entire podcast on today's labor market and I still don't think we would fully understand it because the effects of COVID have had sort of impacts on labor market participation that I think all, all the economists that I've heard speak over the last you know couple of years have said they're still trying to wrap their minds around what it what the future holds for employment. But unemployment is not high as defined by sort of <clears throat> excuse me our Fed. So uh, that's the second. It was higher increasing unemployment, stagnant demand. There's no clear yes or no for stagnant demand. In places, there is. I mean, I think the effect the effects of inflation are slowing down demand. People are generally buying less things, but inflate or I'm sorry, but wages are still high and increasing. There may not be increasing at the rate that uh, inflation is, but folks are so cooped up after a year and a half of COVID that 
they're buying plane tickets, they're going places, they're eating at restaurants. So there's no really clear demand is awful uh, that we can say. Would you agree with that, Jim? Yeah, I, I would agree. It's you know, convergence here of some big things, but higher commodity prices, higher oil prices have filtered through to the economy and that's showing up in all kinds of different places, as you just mentioned. Um, but I don't think people are putting off those travel plans, for example, another right. year, because they've already done that two, di- two different times. Yeah. And that's um, so because demand, unemployment is you, low you, you too. Might consu- yeah. You may consume a little bit less here and there, but uh, demand has not dropped off a cliff. That's for sure. And yeah, and that makes sense, right? Just just sort of intuitively, if people are still working and wages are still going up, it kind of makes sense. Um, the last, the fourth sort of you know check that we need to check for stagflation is slower negative economic growth. Well, we're recording this as of sort of early August in 2022, and we just got sort of GDP growth numbers from last quarter, or at least the initial GDP growth numbers for the second quarter of this year. And at least the preliminary numbers, which are estimates from, I think, the Atlanta Federal Reserve, they showed basically the second quarter in a row of contracting GDP. So by some definitions, that marks a recession. Not all. Uh, Again, there's disagreement as to whether the definition of a recession, but generally speaking, two consecutive quarters of GDP shrinkage is a recession. So I guess we loosely check that box, even though probably not all economists would agree about that one either. Fair enough. I think so. It's a definite maybe. Yeah. So yeah, that we left with less clarity than we started with in this, is it happening now? Uh, But Jim, does it matter uh, whether we have sort of hard definition, yes or no, stagflation or not? I think that's the big point we want to talk about here, right? And that that's that's also true of recession. Are we in a recession or not? Do we have stagflation or not? Um, it doesn't matter to your future financial goals. Um, and I think one thing we talk a lot about with clients is you can't control a lot of things in in life, for sure, in the world, in the markets. Um, but you can control your own personal financial goals and plans. And so putting that focus on, do you have a plan and proper planning and then doing what you can within your resources to either combat inflation or achieve your long-term goals or whatever it may be is what's really important. So does it matter? No, quite simply, it doesn't matter. Right. And, and I think, Hopefully listeners don't get tired of us saying the same things, but uh, what we've got, uh, we talked in our last podcast about bear markets and we left with some takeaways about, well, what should you do about it? Well, they're going to be really similar when it comes to stagflation. So the things that we talk about really with any sort of thing that is outside your control, such as a recession, a bear market in stocks or, you know, stagflation, it doesn't matter what it is, sticking to that plan becomes more important. So specifically, what does that mean? Well, having a well-diversified portfolio and investment strategy becomes even more important during times 
like this. So times where there's you know volatile markets, higher inflation, stagflation even, uh, if it's true. Having that diversified portfolio is even more important because we don't know what's going to happen, how markets are going to react, because we have a sample size of one when this has happened before. Does that make sense, Jim? Yep. Completely. I I would sort of highlight second is planning for your cash flow needs. Uh, that's really at the at the essence of it of a financial plan is making sure that you're looking out into the future, thinking about what you're going to need to do, what you want to do, your goals, and what cash flow you'll need to fund them, so that you're not having to to sell assets when they are down if they're in market instruments. So a lot of folks have been talking about cash and, well, I don't want to hold cash because of inflation. Well, you're better off with cash than having to sell your stocks when they're down by 15%. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true for folks that are in retirement or very close to retirement within a year or two in distribution mode. Um, making sure they have that cash flow so they don't have to sell something that's down and actually realizing a loss that way. And we talk about that all the time, whether we're in a period of stagflation or not. So that's a theme that runs true. Um, I think the flip side, and for other folks that are listening to this that are still working or a little bit younger and have time, um, I don't think they want to be holding lots of cash it certainly hold cash for things you know are on the horizon, like college tuition or new house purchase or a new car or something like that. But the excess, um, the real combat, best combatant against inflation or stagflation is holding equities. So over history, stocks have returned about three times the rate of inflation. So it's the best medicine for outpacing inflation, whereas bonds or cash have either lagged or barely kept up with inflation. So it's it's something we talk about all the time with our clients, having enough stock exposure in the portfolio to keep pace and to grow, uh, especially becomes important when inflation is at levels like it is today. Yeah. And I, I think we've heard a lot of you know questions or just general talk in the media about well, here are the best hedges to inflation. There's no free lunch when it comes to hedging inflation. Uh, stocks aren't really technically even a hedge, but they're the best medicine. I like that word. I mean, they outpace inflation over long periods of time. They're not a hedge as in when inflation goes up, stocks necessarily go the other way. or go. I mean, it, what people will talk about as hedges, though, you'll hear commodities gold, uh, silver, platinum, you know, name the precious metal. Because in the 70s, those things did better. Well, that's not happening this time around. So uh, though there's just not evidence to support that those are good hedges. Anyone who thought crypto was a good hedge, uh, I think they're probably <laughs> rethinking it over the past year because it's been a, a pretty tremendous bear market for crypto. Yeah. Uh, that hasn't proven to be a very good hedge, but the data does show that there is one pretty solid hedge for inflation, which is inflation protected securities, so TIPS. And their value is directly indexed to, indexed to the CPI. So we hold some of those in uh, some instances for that purpose to hedge against unanticipated inflation. 
but there, there's really no free lunch. Yeah, I, I would concur on the bond side. It really tips, as you mentioned. That would be the one place um, where you'll get that protection. And, and to your other point, commodities, they can be a temporary hedge against inflation. They have at different points in the past. But long term, they are not a good uh, investment as far as their relationship to outpacing inflation. So, uh, again, back to stocks, that that's our tool that we use. and um, everyone has their own risk tolerance and their own plan where stocks are a part of it. Um, but that's where the growth is going to come from. And, and especially in times like this, I, and I will say that if you are holding cash because you have a, you know, in a year or two, you have a big expense that you need to fund or something like that. Now is the time to pay a little more attention to where your cash is being held. And I only mean that in that as interest rates have come up. So one of the ways that our Federal Reserve combats inflation is by rising interest rates, which is certainly happening. So have the rates for treasuries. So very short-term, stable investments that can be a place where you park cash. So have bank account, you know, savings accounts. Some of them have really, you know, shot up as, as interest rates have shot up. Some haven't. And that disparity means you should pay attention to make sure you understand whether your interest rates are going up as rates go up uh, in your bank accounts or money market funds or whatever it is, because there can be, especially if it's a larger sum of cash, it can be real difference in terms of uh, you know the next couple of years. You want to maximize your cash, and there there are more options than there used to be in that regard. What else, Jim? I think uh, like the last point I'd, I would probably underline is these are great things to talk about and some, they're fun and certainly pundits on TV make a living talking about these types of things, but bringing it back to your particular plan, things you can control. We love having these one-on-one conversations with clients um, and custom conversations to their specific situation. So for all of our clients that are listening, Certainly love to talk more about this one-on-one when we get together next. And then for folks that are listening that maybe aren't working with us, um, we're happy to answer your questions and and talk about what you may or may not be doing with your current planning needs. Yeah, I can't think of a better way to wrap it up. Uh, With all of these things, it's impossible to predict what's going to happen next. And that means that we should prepare. And the way that you prepare is very individual. so I ho- hope this was valuable to everyone, Jim. I certainly enjoyed you know, talking about stagflation for a few minutes here, but thank you everyone for listening. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Vic. Thank you for listening to another episode of Your Money in 20, the podcast by your friends here at Woodward Financial Advisors. We hope you enjoyed it. Now, if you'd like to continue the conversation, you could find us on the web at woodwardadvisors.com. And as a firm on both Facebook and LinkedIn, there's a link to those pages at the bottom of our website. You can also find us all as individuals on both Twitter and LinkedIn. Now, we love receiving listeners' suggested topics. So if you have a topic you'd like to hear more about, please hit the Let's Talk link at the top of our website and submit a message with podcasts in the subject line. Thanks again for listening and talk to you next time.